Welcome to Sludge, an American healthcare story, the podcast about the broken healthcare system in the U.S. I'm Caitlin Durante. This is episode 11. The date I'm recording this is October 13th, and my surgery is October 15th, 2019, two days from the time of this recording, one day from the time this gets released can't believe it's all happening so soon. Uh, I have a few updates. First thing is something that happened four nights ago, when it finally sort of hit me that my surgery was happening and that it's happening very soon. I had known for many weeks now that I'd be having surgery, but I kind of deliberately wasn't thinking about it. Because one, I figured that something would go wrong with scheduling because so many delays and scheduling blunders have happened already with my process, I assumed the surgery would be no different. I've just been sort of waiting for a phone call from the surgeon's office or the hospital saying that they accidentally double booked me with another patient and that they would need to reschedule my surgery for several months from now or something like that. It hasn't happened, but based on how my story has played out so far, I would not be surprised at all if it did. And two, I just didn't want to think about my body being cut open. So I wasn't thinking about that part of it. I was just sort of ignoring that that's what surgery is, because it's not necessarily a pleasant thing to think about. But a few nights ago, I was alone in my bedroom. It was 1am. I was tossing and turning because I also have chronic insomnia that I've never been able to get a doctor to take seriously, but that's a story for another time. But it occurred to me that I didn't know anything about my surgery, what the actual procedure entails, how long it takes, would I be given a local anesthetic or general anesthesia, what's the recovery like? like in the hospital, how long do I have to stay in the hospital after my surgery? Is this an outpatient kind of thing? What's the recovery like when I get home? What can I expect in terms of literally anything? I knew almost nothing. The only thing that I did know was that I'm supposed to start fasting at least eight hours prior to my surgery and that the laparoscopic surgery entails three small incisions somewhere on my body. So I did what I've had to do many times during this process already, which was to turn to ye old internet for information because medical professionals have told me nothing. And so I watched a bunch of YouTube videos. The first one was a CG animation of what a laparoscopic gallbladder surgery, aka a cholecystectomy, entails. I learned that one of the incisions they make is through your belly button, which is the grossest thing I've ever heard. And just thinking about it makes me want to throw up. I think I might just have like a belly button thing but the idea of my belly button being cut open, 
I can't even think about it. Okay, so they make an incision there and then a few other places on the right side of your abdomen. And then they pump your abdomen full of gas to create a balloon effect. <sighs> okay, so when the surgeon inserts a camera into one of the incisions, they can more easily see your innards. Then, using instruments that they pass through the other incisions, they snip your gallbladder away from the things that it's attached to, put it in a specimen bag, and pull it out through one of the incisions. I think the belly button one, which... <laughs> okay. I'm not going to think about it because I will just start crying. Okay. Uh, after that video, I watched a few people's sort of like video blogs where they document their post-op experience, describing their pain, the medication they're taking, what they're eating, their just general lifestyle, and then anything else that's related to their recovery experience. Seems like everyone has a pretty different experience. But a lot of people described pain, bloating, and or discomfort relating specifically to the residual gas that's in your abdomen from when they turn you into a balloon. Uh, a lot of people also described having a sore throat from the tubes they stick down your throat so that you can breathe when you're under the anesthesia. And a lot of people describe pain at the incision sites. That's to be expected. And they generally take pain medication for it, which seems to make a lot of people constipated. So then they also have to take stool softeners or laxatives for that. So there were all these kind of extra things that I wasn't aware that I'd have to deal with after the surgery. So that gave me some extra anxiety. And then I also watched a couple videos from doctors who gave some advice on what to do as you're recovering and what to do if you continue to experience digestive issues after the surgery. Because yes, there are apparently many people who continue to have issues with digestion even after their gallbladder removal surgery, which was supposed to correct the problem. Many people talked about having sudden food sensitivities that they didn't have before. Many people talked about having constant digestive pain for months or years after their surgery. A lot of people expressed regret that they even had their surgery because their issues became worse after their operation. But then also many others discussed being able to return to their normal eating habits and a normal life in general without really any pain or complications. Seems like it's a pretty case-by-case -case kind of thing. Either way, though, no medical professionals that I've spoken to ever made me aware of any of the risks or the likelihood of any post-op complications. I was never made aware of any options for treatment besides surgery. That was the only option that was given to me. 
and no medical professionals have really told me anything about my surgery, which is why I watched all those YouTube videos in the first place. So all of this, the frustration of healthcare providers once again not giving me any information, the anxiety of having to deal with the pain during the recovery, including all this extra pain that I hadn't anticipated, also just the thought of having my belly button cut open. Well, I had a bit of a meltdown. I don't think it was a full-blown panic attack, but it was certainly unpleasant. I cried for a while. I was just sort of overwhelmed with emotion and anxiety and just the culmination of everything that's happened so far. It kind of all came bubbling to the surface and I just sort of broke down. After I collected myself a little bit, I actually recorded some of my thoughts and feelings and I'll play those for you now. I've worked myself up into a bit of a frenzy um, because my surgery isn't five days from now. I thought I wasn't nervous about it, but but I am, it turns out. I don't know. I just wish like a medical professional bothered to give me a... Surely someone had three minutes to just give me a rundown of what the surgery was going to entail said, hey, here's what tends to happen with people, or here's what you can expect. Here's what the surgery fucking even is. I didn't know they would cut through my belly button. I don't know why no one told me that. There's that scene in The Matrix that I still can't watch where the agents are trying to bug Neo. There's a bug that crawls into his belly button and I can't watch that scene. And then there's another scene later on where they take it back out of his body through his belly button and I can't watch that because it makes me fucking sick to my stomach. I wasn't emotionally and mentally prepared for this. And then the other thing that I haven't fully considered is how much help I will likely need. I don't know how bedridden I'm gonna be. I don't know. Am I going to be able to, like, get up and use the bathroom? What can I even eat after the surgery? Can I eat? What is advised by medical professionals? Like, what is your medical advice? You haven't told me anything. I'm sure I'll get some, like, post-op care instructions. But if it's anything like the vague, shitty paperwork I got after I was discharged from the ER after my gallbladder attack. That wasn't helpful. That was so vague and shitty. Like, surely you've collected, even if it's partially anecdotal, surely there's been some collection of, yeah, here's what people tend to experience. Here's what you can expect. Here's what we advise in terms of anything. Like, what groceries do I need to have bought? (laughs) You know, like... There's just so much about this healthcare system that it's like, we'll do the bare minimum, but other than that, you're on your own, you know? Like, I just can't wait for this all to be over, but this is the biggest hurdle. I should appreciate that with my um, (laughs) Bragg screenwriting master's degree. This is the big climactic beat 
of the story. The, the hurdle, the obstacle at the end is the most difficult one to overcome. So that's just basic story structure, everybody. Um, but my understanding of that doesn't make this any easier to deal with emotionally. So I guess this was my raw, emotional, vulnerable, not calm before the storm, because I'm not calm. I don't know what this is, but uh, I'm freaking out. I don't know. I just I feel very alone and ill-prepared for what's about to happen. So that was that. Shortly after that, I had emotionally exhausted myself enough that I finally fell asleep. I woke up the following day feeling a little less anxious, and I went about my day until about 2.30 p.m., when I received an unexpected call from the hospital where my surgery will be performed. They called me to confirm the date and time of my surgery. I said, yes, that's all correct. They confirmed the surgeon. I said, yes. And then they said, by the way, you will owe a payment of $2,400 on the day of the surgery. And I was stunned. This surgery had been scheduled for several weeks, and they were only just telling me this now, five days before the surgery. So I asked for clarification. I said, uh, and that's due upon arrival? And she said, yes. And I said, my insurance, did it not cover that or what exactly? And she said that that's what I still owe with my deductible. And then before I can ask more questions about this whole thing, she asks if I'd like to be transferred to a nurse in case I have any questions about my surgery. And I said, yes, I have a million questions. And she says, great, I'll transfer you now, which she does. That line rings and no one picks up. I leave a message and then I begin to freak out about the $2,400 that I will have to cough up in five days' time. By the way, I was finally able to look up what my deductible is with my health insurance. It's $6,800. I think the $2,400 that the hospital says I will owe is the facility fee for the hospital specifically. And from what I've gathered... I will also probably end up owing similar sums of money for both the anesthesiologist and the surgeon because, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but these are all separate bills. So I will owe these, you know, large sums of money to these separate entities when this is all said and done. So anyway, I'm freaking out about this $2,400, so I did what many people do who have large medical bills or debt, and I set up a crowdfunding campaign. I went on GoFundMe.com. I wrote out a few paragraphs explaining my situation. I set my goal for $2,400, and I start sharing it around social media. What happens next was unlike anything that's happened so far with my sludge story. My sludge story has been largely very stressful, very frustrating, and very infuriating. 
But what happens at this moment was actually really beautiful and uplifting because people rallied, they shared my campaign, they donated, and within just about an hour, I had reached and then surpassed my goal that I set. So if you're one of those people who donated and or shared it with other people, truly, thank you so much. The support I received from this was just so overwhelming in a, in a very good way. Like, especially because the night before when I was having this meltdown, I was feeling very lonely because I wasn't sure if people would be able to be with me as I was recovering. Like, my family all lives on the East Coast, 3,000 miles away. My best friend JT also lives there. I don't have a significant other to look after me in sickness and in health. I, I do have a good support network here, and people have offered to help, which, you know, goodness bless them. But I just still kept thinking like I was just going to be a burden on everyone, and I was just feeling very anxious and lonely about the whole impending thing. So for so many people to donate and or share the GoFundMe or to message me with their words of support and encouragement was just so nice and I'm I'm so touched and it was truly a much needed boost for me. So thank you again from from the bottom of my heart. I really can't express my gratitude enough. If, after I've covered all my medical bills, there's still money left over, I will, of course, donate it to another healthcare cause because, goodness knows, people will need it. Now, I would be remiss not to discuss how absolutely stupid and horrible it is that so many people have no choice but to turn to crowdfunding campaigns to alleviate the financial burden of medical bills. And mine are fairly low compared to plenty of other people who owe tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars in medical debt. Our system is set up in a way that medical bills are astronomical and often involve hidden unanticipated and highly inflated costs for seemingly no reason. Like, why are these bills so high? Why do medical things cost so much? So people are faced with these huge bills that they can't possibly pay on their own, which leads to crippling debt, debt that oftentimes forces people to take drastic measures like declaring bankruptcy, for example, because this is a broken, unsustainable system that takes advantage of the general public since most people are middle or working class. Someone figured out that they could take advantage of people's general desire to not be in pain and to not die and get rich by charging people thousands and thousands of dollars to not die. I don't know exactly who or what entity benefits the most from this capitalist system, but I do know that this system is absolutely wretched and whoever is benefiting from it are evil capitalist scum. They're the ones who should be riddled with sludge.
<sighs> okay, I've said it before, I'll say it again. We need to dismantle this current system and implement a single payer universal healthcare system. So please, for goodness sake, vote for candidates who will prioritize this effort because not that I have much faith in politicians, but it's probably the best shot we have for enacting this much needed change. And again, I, I, I'm, I am so grateful to everyone who donated and or shared my GoFundMe page, but I shouldn't have had to set up a fundraiser. No one should. Medical bills should not be so astronomical, and they should not be the burden of individuals. Healthcare is a basic human right and should be treated as such in our socioeconomic sphere. Now, according to a recent article in The New Republic entitled The Grim Lottery of Surprise Medical Bill Stories, written by Libby Watson, quote, one third of the $5 billion that GoFundMe has raised in its nine years went toward medical expenses, end quote. One third of $5 billion. That's almost $2 billion that had to be raised from crowdfunding campaigns. And this is just GoFundMe. There are other platforms that people use for crowdfunding. That means about $1.6 billion was raised by individuals who needed money to pay for medical bills. That is not right. Like, that is not the way this should be. I'm not an economist, but I feel like our economy would be better off if so many people weren't burdened by tremendous medical debt. And I don't know, let's erase student loan debt while we're at it. But that's a whole other podcast. Okay, anyway, so I will end this episode by saying that the nurse who I had left a message with regarding questions about my surgery did eventually call me back and we spoke for a few minutes. And while her response to most of my questions was, I'm not sure that will be a question for your surgeon, she did help put me at ease a little bit. This episode drops the day before my surgery, so depending on when you listen to this, I may be in surgery right now, I may be starting to recover already, or who knows, maybe you're listening to this 50 years in the future on your boat because you live in Waterworld because we fucked up the environment so badly. In any case... I just want to thank everyone for your support, for, for listening to this podcast. Thanks again to anyone who donated or shared my GoFundMe or who reached out with your kind words and your well wishes because it truly means so much. This is not a good space to be in, to be jerked around by the bureaucratic bullshit of this healthcare system, to have large bills sprung on you at the last minute, all the stress and anxiety that has been building up for me leading up to this surgery, which will hopefully be the conclusion of this ordeal. But who knows? <laughs> Apparently, the gallbladder surgery doesn't correct the problem in many cases. So <laughs> only time will tell. In any case, it's been a difficult road, and um, to have your 
listenership and your support has has been really meaningful and very welcome and and I really thank everyone who's taking the time to listen. Different people have reached out and said, you know, I, I'm going through a similar nightmare story, so it, it's nice to hear that, you know, I'm not alone out there. And rest assured, you're not alone, because this seems to be happening to millions of people. I hope you're not one of them. But because this system is the way it is, people have no choice but to get mixed up in all of its wretchedness. Um, anyway, I will post at least one more episode for season one to give an update about my surgery, my recovery, and my absence of sludge. Can't wait to be rid of it. Uh, And then just a reminder to stay tuned for season two, in which I will invite guests to talk to me about their healthcare horror stories. Not exactly sure when that will kick off. I have, you know, sludge surgery to recover from after all. But uh, subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts so that you're notified when new episodes come out. And follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Sludge Podcast for updates. You can, of course, always email me at sludgestorypodcast at gmail.com if you would like to share your own healthcare horror story. Again, I hope you don't have one of those, but because our system is so fucked up, chances are you do. But hopefully change happens soon and we can put an end to that. Thanks again for listening. Uh, Happy Halloween! Hashtag sludgefree2020. Bye.